The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Thank you. Thank you. Um, good evening. It's so wonderful um, to be in the new Village Zendo home. Imagine that. All the way from here in Massachusetts. That's wonderful. Uh, my name is Kenko. Uh, I'm a senior student at the Village Zendo. Um, I live and practice with the Oxbow Zen Sangha here in Northampton. Um, and I teach mathematics and mathematics education at a university. Um, right now, today, it's an unusually warm day where I am. Uh, it feels like summer. Um, Last week was winter, now it's summer, and spring happened on Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> the trees are leafing out. I took a walk with Roger, my partner, this morning. Um, we went um, next door. Um, we live close to Smith College, which is not where I teach, but which is where I take my walks. Um, and there, um, you know, the gardeners and the landscapers are out, and they preparing everything for the for the upcoming graduation and commencement and it was beautiful the the trees are, the trees are leafing out and the, the the tulips have been blooming for quite some time because i think it's been it's been quite chilly <laughs> for much of the spring and and now it looks like they're sort of you know opening up and opening up and really totally overextending themselves and the and the and the leaves of the blossom are sort of almost falling off they're like all all open and then in our um, front lawn there are some dandelions that add some sprinkles of yellow to the front lawn um, and one of our neighbors sent around uh, an email earlier that there is something called no mow may as a way of encouraging people not to mow their lawns in may to let the little flowers come up so that the bees and the and the bumblebees and the little critters have, you know, some nectar to, to find. Um, and tomorrow, um, my, my school, Westview State University, has, has commencement. So the end of the semester is just about here. I still have some grading to do. Um, but the seniors who are supposed to graduate tomorrow, I already handed in their grades earlier this week. So. Um, to the extent that I could help them, I think they will graduate. <laughs> so that's sort of the, the small world around me here. And then there's also the larger world. Um, the war in Ukraine continues. Um, Roe versus Wade, it looks like it may not remain what it has been for many, many years. That too is part of our world. And then there's the interior world um, in our minds, in our hearts. Um, there's confusion, there's anger, there's a sense of helplessness, there's wanting to do something, maybe not quite knowing what to do, wondering, well, what I want to do, is that really going to help? Um, and then also finding some action and taking action and 
maybe thinking if it makes a difference, maybe it will, maybe it will not, um, but it's something that we can do. And for me personally, it's been another challenging and demanding semester, so I feel a sense of exhaustion and it's just, I'm just going to collapse once this is all over. It's sort of my feeling, it was my story about my feeling. So how can we practice in the middle of all of that? And I think, you know, all of you will have your own stories, your own local world, your own connections with the larger world, and your own ripples in the interior world of your mind and your body and your connections that that is alive. I have really enjoyed that the teachers um, have pointed to art, have reminded us that art is a way of, of holding us in the middle of um, situations that are confusing and difficult. So I thought I'd uh, start us off with a poem. It's called, the title is See More, and it's by Jean Tedonio. In the broken place where we live, hope can be found in the cracks. If a dandelion can push herself up from the earth through a sliver of light and cement, and be called a weed or a flower by those who see more. Surely we too can bloom in our brokenness where we live and see more. Yeah, that, those cracks of cement that encase us, that squeeze us, that pressure us, that make us feel like there's no space through. And yet a sliver of light pulls us forward to take another step, to do what we can. And we may think of ourselves as a weed, or other people we think may think of us as a weed. And yet, we're also a flower, if we can see it, just opening up in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of the places, our relations, where we are, and an invitation to see more. Um, at school over the last years, um, we've had a small um, faculty and staff meditation group. I think I mentioned that before. We, we meet Wednesdays around lunch, usually when we're on campus in the basement of the Interfaith Center. And it's a, it's a beautiful little group. It's usually four, five, six people, uh, mostly regulars. 
Um, and sometimes, you know, new people come and sometimes people come every now and then because um, they're, um, even when we were teaching in home, they had children to take care of during the day. So it just wasn't possible. And just this, this past Wednesday, we sort of had our celebratory end of the semester sit um, in the basement. And we also um, do it hybrid. One of us brings a little laptop in so that the people who are either in their offices and can't leave or are grading at home can still join us. And, you know, and afterwards, we sort of sit for half an hour, just ring a bell to start, just ring a bell to end. And then usually I just say, well, how was that for you? you know? And then we, people take turns and sort of share small or big things that that happened for them in this past um wednesday one of the the people sitting with us um, mentioned that she had been working with a chiropractor because of her neck and her shoulders and she noticed as she was sitting how sort of when the thoughts came up about all the things that she needed to do and think about and plan she could feel how her body, how her neck was tightening up. Really revealing the, the intimate connection between our minds and our bodies um, that, that we experience in Zazen. You know? It's the body becomes, I don't know, the, the place where we can experience in a bodily way and have revealed to us what is really going on in our hearts and our minds. And I think um, for me, as I'm sort of thinking about, oh, I'm so exhausted, I also wonder if there is sort of an overlay of thinking that sort of labels what is going on. And, and underneath it, I think for me, is sort of the belief this should be different, right? This should me. It should not be like this. I should not feel like this. I shouldn't have to do all the things that I have to do. I should feel much better, and so th this shouldn't. This should be different, right? And and noticing that even in that thinking, there exactly is the source of the suffering, because otherwise it's just oh, I'm tired. I need a nap, right? Or um, this is too much to finish for tomorrow. I need to send them an email and say. Um, you know, I will do the grading for next week. Right? So, so exhaustion is also, uh, for me, it's also sort of a, a state of mind that I can, that I can believe without really realizing that um, it's just a thought that in this moment, I sort of believing to be true. There's a case in the Blue Cliff record that I think illuminates for me some of the, the qualities of what in the poem is described as seeing more. It's um, case 78, 16 bodhisattvas go into bathe. I really love that one. Here's the case. In olden times, there were 16 bodhisattvas. When it, were time, when it was time for monks to wash, 
the bodhisattvas filed in to bathe. Suddenly, they awakened to the basis of water. All of you Chan worthies, how will you understand their saying, subtle feeling reveals illumination, and we have achieved the station of children of Buddha. To realize this, you must be extremely piercing and penetrating. Up here close to the neighborhood, close to Smith College, um, there is a, is a hot tub place. And it's like a Japanese hot tub place. It's like wooden, it's beautiful wooden tubs. Some of them are out on the roof. So you can go in the winter when it snows and sort of sit in the hot water and have the snow come down. It's, it's very, very beautiful. Unfortunately, they had a fire um, a few months ago, so they're, they're still closed. Um, it's usually something that I enjoy very much in the winter when I feel like I'm sort of chilled to the bone and I just go and warm up and it's like, ah. And that's what it's like for me to enter to bathe. It's like there's something in the body that just opens up and lets go. And it's like water entering water. Suddenly, they awaken to the basis of water. And how is that about entering our lives? How is that about entering my life? What does it mean to awaken to the basis of my life right now? Say, in a conflict at work. How to awaken to the basis of that relationship, that collaboration, that conflict, that meeting? Well, in the koan, it says subtle feeling reveals illumination. So I serve on a governance committee. And, uh, and subtle feeling relooms, uh, reveals illumination, you know? Um, there's one department in particular that has a habit of submitting complex, really complex proposals that are really badly organized, really, really, really late in the semester. Yeah. They did that last year. They did it again this year. You know, and I have feelings about that. <laughs> And um, and it was it was interesting. I was trying to handle it differently this year than I handled it last year because I could tell that what I did last year um, didn't help. <laughs> so the good news is I tried something new. The bad news is I don't think it helped. <laughs> and I think and 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 I could tell um, while it was unraveling, while while it was sort of developing and unfolding in the meeting. I could sort of tell in my body that this is, this isn't, this this is not good. This is not helping. This is not a good way to handle this. And yet we're in the middle of it, right? <laughs> it's like, oops, sorry, too late. 
well, let me go home and sort of think about it and reflect on it and and sort of check in uh, what you know um, are the amends that I can make. Are there helpful things I can suggest? Um, and the one thing that I really noticed is for me, there's also a cultural aspect to it, right? You know, as you can tell probably from my accent, you know, I was born in Germany and you probably know that um, Germans have a high appreciation for um, things being punctual and being done in the proper way, you know, and we all know what the proper way is, right? So on some level, it's a way of, um, you know, putting it positively, it's a way of showing respect. Yeah. It's um, recognizing that we all have a role to play and there's a particular way that that is sort of orch orchestrated in German culture. So submitting something late is not a good start for someone who comes from that background, because to me, it feels like, um, disrespect and it feels like um taking on sort of acting from a privileged position and sort of claiming that privileged position as i'm entitled to put this in late because i'm really important and you can't possibly say no right of course that's not what anybody was saying right it's just that this is sort of my this is how it was it was hitting me you know how how these were my buttons that were pushed by those particular circumstances yeah. uh, one structure i don't know if you're familiar with that um byron katie's um structure i found very intriguing in contexts like this so um she has this judge your neighbor worksheet so i really love about that that she says it's okay to be petty and judgmental Right? We don't have to clean up our act. This is like, you know, let it out, put it on paper exactly as you experience it. You know, don't filter it. It's okay to be petty and judgmental. How often, how often do we get permission to do that? And we sort of write down, you know, who angers or hurts or saddens or disappoints us and why. You know, so there's a particular, it's grounded in a very particular situation with a very particular person, with a very particular set of circumstances then we allow to say how we want that other person to change right the world would be perfect if you did xyz in exactly the following way you know we, we get to write that down is there some advice that we could offer oh i have lots of advice to offer to lots of people uh, roger my partner knows me well <laughs> and we have sort of developed, uh, you know, uh, he has a way of, of kindly and gently letting me know that it's like, oh, it's happening right here. Are you noticing that? <laughs> and also we have an opportunity to write down what we need to be happy in that particular situation. So it feels like we're given all the power in that particular situation to really see what would the ideal situation, what would the ideal reaction actually be? And then she asked, is it true? Is it true? And I love how, um, you know, it, it's like, you know, her instructions are really like meditation instructions because she says, um, you need to become really still. 
and let the answer come up. And the answer will be either yes or no. If there's any kind of argument or reason that comes along with it, then you haven't meditated deeply enough. <laughs> I love that. And then later on, there's an opportunity to, to turn things around. So if I need my colleague to apologize, then maybe that means, oh, maybe I need to apologize here. And I can try that on. Would that be equally true? Would that may, maybe even be truer than my belief that my colleague should apologize? It's powerful. It's powerful. So this has sort of been my, my practice, to notice what is it that I'm thinking, what is it that I'm in believing right now. And as I mentioned before, the, the bodily sensations are really a very subtle way for me to learn if I'm in an easy flow or if there's something that I need to look at more deeply. And as also these, these turnarounds have become a little, they're, they're like a little wake-up bell, right? When I'm about to do something or say something, it's sort of automatically, it's like, huh, what would the turnaround be for that? You know? And if nothing else, it opens up some space. And really, that space, I think, that is um, so, so powerful. I notice that when I get busy or overwhelmed, um, it's easy for me to think that, oh, I don't have time for, to sit Zazen this morning. I really need to do this. I really need to finish that. Um, and I just want to acknowledge that I usually make the wrong decision about that. That's sort of what I realize in retrospect. Because whenever I take a, a chance, a moment to, to, to just stop and sit, it's like what I thought was so difficult and urgent and pressing, it shifts. Yeah. And maybe the only thing that shifts is sort of the, the tightness in my mind around that. So um, from my own personal experience, um, note to self, you can remind me down the way if I forget, and I will forget, um, you know, make sure to make space for Zaza. It's, it's powerful and what needs to show up will show up if we provide the space for it. So let me close by reading the poem one more time so we can really savor that and let that flow in. See more. In the broken place where we live, hope can be found in the cracks. If a dandelion can push herself up from the earth through a sliver of light in cement and be called a weed or a flower by those who see more, surely we too can bloom in our brokenness, 
where we live and see more. Thank you.